We're going to continue with the most important ingredient. We know that's obedience. We know obedience is equal to faith. And we know that disobedience is equal to rebellion or witchcraft. Tonight we're going to be talking about the next theme that we had in the Bible that we were going to discuss. God was last week. Tonight is pastor, your pastor or other pastors that are preaching the truth of the gospel at other places around the globe. Hebrews 13 and 7 is where we're going to begin tonight. Hebrews 13 and 7. Amen. The word of the Lord says here in the book of Hebrews chapter 13 verse 7, remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. You may be seated. Again, this is part three of the most important ingredient to faith, to our walk with God, is obedience. I am not moving from that. Amen. I said I'm not moving from that. Amen. There's things that I believe that is one of them. And I'm going to be honest with you, we all have some struggles with obedience. Right. At times in our life, and at certain situations in our life, and certain topics in our life, sometimes we struggle with obedience. Amen. So the Bible says here, remember, remember. It's important that you keep in your mind and be mindful of your pastor and his family at all times. Amen. That's what it's saying. Remember them. Remember them. Be mindful of them. Pray for them. Think about them. Good things. Good things. If you do that, then you will begin to develop the right relationship with that man that God has placed over his local assembly. Right. And make no mistake about it, it is a calling, and it is a placement, and God does that alone. Amen. Doesn't have anything to do with the man's ability, his looks or non-looks, how tall or short, or what kind of education of any he has. God is the one that places him so that you can receive the things that you need to be saved. So be mindful of that. Then it goes on to say here, who have the rule. That rule, of course, is not a dictatorship, but it is something of leading. There is some commands there, but it is leading. In other words, what you need to be mindful of is how is my pastor and his wife leading you in example, in conversation. Are they the first ones to do this? The first ones to do that? Are they just telling you to do it and not leading you to do it? I think it goes without even question that my wife and I will fit the category that we do our very best to lead by example. Amen. So be mindful of that. Be mindful of that. Remember them that have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, whose faith follow, Amen. their obedience, mm -hmm. right. 
follow, considering the end of their conversation. Now, probably you're very familiar with the next verse of Scripture in the same chapter, Hebrews 13, verse 17. I am sure you've heard that many times from your pastor or someone else that says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls that they must give an account, that they may do it with joy. Do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. to you. Not to me, to you. So the Bible says, obey, obey. Have confidence that God has placed that man. Amen. Have confidence that the anointing is on that man. Have confidence. If you have confidence, don't let the devil shake that confidence. Right. Amen. Because he may preach something that you didn't care for, or he may ask you to do something that you didn't want to do, or he may be a little passionate about an admonition and occasionally no rebuke. Right. Be mindful that he's trying to do it for your profit. Right. Amen. Amen. Obey them that have the rule. We already talked about that. Leading by example. And submit yourselves. I want to tell you right now that people in general have a problem with submitting to authority. Right. Amen. Amen. Most all of the problems in the country today have to do with not submitting to those in authority. Right. Amen. 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 Some of the biggest problems in churches is because of that. Right. Some of the most hard problems in the home is because you have the family structure set up by the Word of God, and for some reason, those in that family unit are not submitting correctly unto those that may have the authority, especially children and parents. I mean, it's plain, isn't it? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Right. And so that means to be obedient to them. Amen. And so I know that this particular message on obedience is not the most shouting, popular message that you're going to hear, but it should be. Amen. Because with that, there is blessings. With that, there is growth. With that, there is security. Amen. We excel when there is a structure. We fall apart and fray when there is no line uh, if we go one way, something's going to happen. In other words, if authority lays a line here and says, if you cross that line, this is what's going to happen, and you cross it, nothing happens, then everything is out of order. Right. The problem with the church, and we heard this in Mississippi from Brother Kelly, he talked about the church, one of the most greatest needs of the church today is order. Yeah. Right. Order. Amen. Amen. Do you know that your adversary, your adversary, the devil, his kingdom is very orderly. You never read devils fighting among themselves. You never read anywhere where a devil tells Satan, no, I'm not going to do that. And so our enemy is structured together. Right. 
And so there's obedience there. Of course, Lucifer didn't obey God. That's why there's a problem. But within his ranks, those fallen angels do exactly what he says to do. So we must overcome that, not being ignorant of his devices. And we must strive to have order of obedience as well. Everything in its place, working the way it's supposed to do. Submit yourself, for they watch for your soul. Didn't say that we save you. Didn't say that. Right. But we watch for your soul. In other words, we're watching, we're praying. God, what is it that they need to hear? What is it that I need to preach? Do I need to call them and possibly encourage? Or do I need to admonish? Or do I need to say, hey, listen, I'm concerned. If your pastor tells you he's concerned about you, then you need to get to pray and find out why. Because he's going to have to stand before God and give an account for each person that he pastors. Right. right. Amen. How he basically preached and did he warn you? Everybody needs warnings. Right. I need them. You need them. Being in church is not without warnings. You've got to have them. Because God said, if I don't warn you of the errors of your way, then I've got to pay that price. The blood's going to be on my hand. But if I warn you and you choose not to turn and do right, then it's between you and God. And that's why many times you'll hear me preach certain things and be passionate about it because I want you to hear that you're responsible to hear and do just like I am. And I surely don't want to stand before God. And he says, how come you didn't say that? Right. Because your soul depends on the word of God and obedience to the word of God. Amen. So it's mine. So it's mine. Amen. That you may do it or he may do it with joy, not with grief, for it's unprofitable with you. Now we're going to go to several other scriptures this evening. In Romans 10. Now, before we get to Romans 10, verse 14, that unprofitable to you or for you means it's destructive or deadly. Now, Romans 10, 14 through 17. Read, please. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Okay. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher. Without? A preacher. You right. see, an individual's got to have a pastor in their life. Amen. It's not because the pastor's trying to say, oh, I'm invaluable. That's not the case. God says you got to have a preacher. You cannot believe in whom you've not heard, and they cannot hear without a preacher. So God has set the pastor in the body, among others that teach and preach, Supplemental to him so that you can believe. Right. Amen. Amen. How shall they preach? Except they be sent. As it is written. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. I, I like that part. Yeah. Because, because you know, feet, feet. I saw some of you stick your feet up under your chair right there. Because for some reason we don't want nobody looking or messing with our feet. Doesn't bother me. I know what they look like. You know? But there's some folks in my family, they will not touch my foot. I don't know why I touch it all the time. Because the Bible says they're beautiful. That's right. 
beautiful flat on the feet. You must be still thinking about what I said earlier. <laughs> All things are possible with God. Amen. How beautiful are the feet? Not the foot. That <laughs> means both of them. Beautiful are the feet of them that preach, preach the, gospel. the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings. Now, that doesn't mean that everything that I'm going to preach to you is going to be so easy and encouraging and, oh my goodness, whoa, wow, man, this I don't even have to worry about anything tough. That's not what it means. Anything that comes is good. Amen. Every jot and tittle of God's Word is good. Amen. And you've got to look back through the Scripture. You'll find prophets. When prophets came into town, people feared. Oh, yes, they did. Because they knew that prophet was bringing the word of the Lord. And normally, it was a word of, if you don't do this, judgment's coming. Amen. Right. Amen. Now, I know prophets also could see things. God would reveal to them things. But the main thing that a prophet did was to enforce the word of the Lord. Enforce the word of the Lord. Amen. 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 Then it goes on to say here. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith. Now, we've been talking about faith, and the most important ingredient of that is obedience, right? So could I not say, so then obedience. Comes by hearing. Obedience. Comes by hearing. And hearing. By the word of God. The word of God. The more you miss church, the more you struggle with obedience. Right. Amen. 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 I don't need to say that again. That, that went forward pretty good. Amen. Praise God. Now, 1 Timothy 5, 17 through 19. We're going to look at this. Remember, we're, we're talking about basically to be obedient to God, your pastor, your parents, your employers, and the government. We'll get through all of those if God tarries. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Double honor, especially they who labor in word and doctrine. Word and doctrine. For the scriptures say that. Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. And the laborer is worthy of his reward. Now you know exactly what that means. That, that, that in other words, your pastor, the pastor of any church, is worthy of being compensated by the gospel through tithes. Amen. Amen. I mean, that's as plain as can be. Against an elder, receive not an accusation. But before two or three witnesses. It's amazing. It's amazing how quick that people can be to believe one person on a negative report. About an elder. Right, right. And the scripture says very plain, do not do that. Now, Romans 13. Lots of scripture here. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. Do, do you ever wonder, before we go into that, God just brought something to my mind. Everybody knows what a muzzle is, don't you? Now, we're more familiar with a muzzle that you put on a dog. 
Believe me, I've seen some dogs around the neighborhood. I wish they were muzzled. Why? Because they could be dangerous. All right? And it says here that the ox should not be muzzled. Not in the fact that the ox is dangerous, but that the ox, when they're treading out the corn that you will eat, can also eat what it's treading. That's why the Apostle Paul said those that preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Amen. So many of you, I know that you have this conviction and you're very good at giving your tithes. We don't pay them, we give them. Right. But some of you struggle with that, so what are you doing in your life? You're putting a muzzle on me. Right. You say, well, Pastor, you don't receive all the tithes anyway. Well, that may be true, but they still belong to me. Right. Amen. Amen. I want to say that again because some of you are fairly new here and I want you to understand that the tithe has been given to the pastor. Amen. Right. God did that. The pastor didn't do that. Amen. And so that you will know your pastor and his wife tithe a lot. Yes. We tithe to this church on any secular income. And then we tithe on whatever ministerial income that I receive to the district. And whatever tithes I don't receive that's left over, I tithe on that too. That's right. I believe in obedience. Amen. Amen. And tithing is a form of obedience. That's all it is. Right. Yo, I can just feel it going quiet now. I mean, you work for a paycheck. Right. I want some of you to pray about this, going to your boss and say, you know what? This week, it's on me. You don't have to pay me. <laughs> See, it got him away. No takers on that. Your, your employer would pass And so, when is payday? When is payday normally for some of you? Friday! You love your boss. He's the best thing going. And you can't wait. Whatever, that envelope or whatever, however you get paid. You're checking your bank account if it's direct deposit. Where is it? Where is it? And he does that to keep you working. Because if he didn't pay you, you wouldn't be working. Is that right? Amen. Somebody didn't pay you for a job, you would finish it. I'm glad that your pastor's not there. Right. Amen. However, why is it that churches, I'm not saying this one, always get upset if a pastor says, well, I'm going to start receiving more tithes. See, besides it got so quiet. 
Why is that a problem? It's not a problem for you getting your check. It's all about obedience. If you were obedient to the word of God, you would want your pastor to be blessed. You would want your pastor, whatever God gave him, take it. But I've heard it, not from this church, but I've heard it. Oh, they just after money. They they just want to get rich. They just want to. But you don't, your boss don't come tell you that, does he? Right, right. <laughs> they just want to get rich. They're, look. No. It's the same principle. The laborer is worthy of his hire. Right. So I'm going to say this again because some of you are fairly new to this church and you need to understand. All times God has given to me. Amen. I don't receive even near all of that. Right. But if one day I decided by the grace of God to receive that, I pray that none of you would get angry. Right. Amen. Because I'm going to say this to you right now, and I don't know why I'm getting off in this, but I think it's important. Tithes were never designed to pay light bills. Right. right. That's right. Amen. Amen. Pay banknotes. Amen. But your pastor does it because it's not about him and his wife. It's, it's, that's not what it's about. But there may be a day that we find ourselves in need that I need to receive more times. Amen. Biblical. Amen. Amen. I, I just want I just want you to know that. Okay? I don't I, I'm not trying to hide anything from you. Amen. Currently, currently, your pastor doesn't receive any tithes. That's right. Right. Amen. He doesn't receive any income except for the fifteen hundred dollar housing amount. Now, I did receive a bonus that the trustees approved back in March. But other than that, I don't receive any monthly payment. That's right. And this is only for a season. And when God tells me that season ends, then I'm going to start receiving times. Right. I don't know why you're looking so grim. I'm glad you get paid. I really, I'm glad you get paid. Amen. Praise the Lord. And you ought to be happy when a fellow brother or sister gets paid. Yeah. Right. And there is no conception of the higher power, for there is no power but of God, and the powers that be ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, wow, resisteth the ordinance of God, Really, he's saying is you're being rebellious. Right. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. What? Damnation? Yes, sir. So in other words, even though it appears everything is fine for them in this life. Right. The life to come, they will not be saved. Amen. Amen. For rumors are not a terror to good works. But to the evil. Will thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good. And they shall have praise of the same. 
For he is the minister of God to thee for good. For good. Amen. Good. But if thou do that which is evil, uh -huh. be afraid. Wow. If you disobey, be afraid. Know it's coming. You're going to hear a message. Right. Or you're going to get a text. Yeah. Used to be a phone call, but we're in a different generation now. <laughs> For he bears not the sword in vain. That's correct. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. He doesn't do it. But God moves through him with the words that he may speak and the words that he may preach to pronounce judgment unless you repent. We're talking about the most important ingredient in living for God is obedience. Is obedience. We limit God on the blessings of God because of obedience and submissiveness. Amen. Let's take that cap off and begin to say, God, help me to be more obedient and submissive to your word and those you place over me. Subject not only for wrath but also for conscience. For this cause pay ye tribute also. They are God's ministers. Attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due. Custom to whom custom. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. Amen. We cover tonight about the authority and position of your pastor or pastors. And it's important to understand that. That God ordained them. Yeah. That God has given them that authority. Right. And they didn't earn it. They didn't do anything to buy it. But God saw their heart and called them. Render unto them their due. And God will give you a reward because of it. Amen. Now in the weeks to come, if God tarries, we will get into parents. And I'm sure all your parents are going to be saying amen as loud as you can. <laughs> Even though I might not have had a lot of amens tonight. And then when we get into employers and government, you'll see that God expects us to be obedient and submissive in all areas of our life. When it does not violate the word of the Lord. And we better be sure. We better be sure before we disobey, that it is definitely a violation. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you tonight. The Lord keep you tonight. The Lord shine his face upon you. May the Lord be with the women that are going to conference and protect them and also bless them and bring them back safely. You're dismissed in the fear of the Lord.
Some of you have, I know, but some of you have it. They're $20 a child, a packet. I either have this book from Tuesday or Friday. Um, I'm trying to switch which one's going to be breakfast on Tuesday. Before I call it Friday. If it's a Friday, I'll be there for you. It's Tuesday, it's going to be a break about six months. Other than that,
be in places where we cannot locate anymore. And that is the door of hope. Right. A door of hope. No matter how dark the room is, there's always a door that leads out. Amen. But sometimes because of the darkness, you can't locate it, but it's there. How did this valley get its name, the Valley of Achor? The story is that when Joshua led the people of Israel over Jordan, they defeated Jericho by just walking around it. And the walls came down and they marched over and took it and took the spoils. And the next city wasn't quite near as large, and that was Ai. And so only a small army of Israel went, but they were defeated. And they were defeated because of Achan. Achan went in to Jericho and saw all of the gold and silver, and he coveted for himself. And he took it and he hid it, and because of that, they were defeated and defeated very badly when they took Ai. Right. And so Joshua sought the Lord. And the Lord revealed to him there was sin in the camp. And it was revealed that Achan was the one. And Achan and all his family, his children, all his possessions, his cattle, whatever he had, was burned in this valley and they called it the Valley of Achor which means trouble. Right. We understand the Valley of Trouble, don't we? Yeah. Right. We spend too much time in the Valley of Trouble right. looking to try to get to that mountaintop. Get out of the valley that seems to have nothing but heartache and misery. Where is the door? Where can I get to that place? Our young people today, they are so full of anger because they are looking for hope. The apostolic Christian is struggling in his commitment and her commitment to God because of hope. Right. Because they've been going through the same thing for so long. Or it's the same battle time and time again. And so they get weary and well-doing. And it's all because they lose sight of the door of hope. Right. <clears throat> Here the Lord was using this in Hosea to say that there'll come a time where I will begin to draw my people back unto me. Yes, I know they've left me. Yes, I know that they have committed all of this idolatrous act with all these false so-called gods. I know they've sinned. I know they have walked away from me. I know that they have even forgot my name. And he says, there'll come a time that I'll bring them into the wilderness, into this very valley of trouble. And this trouble now I'll reverse as a door of hope. Stay with me today. They won't call me no more. That word, I'm just going to tell you what it means. They will call me no more my master. 
but they will call me Ishai, my husband. Even though he was their master, even though he was their God, Jehovah, when they got to this valley of trouble that God was fixing to put a door of hope in, they wouldn't call him master anymore. They wouldn't feel like that they were made to worship him or made to follow him or it was some type of task that the master was making them do. But there would be a renewed affection, a renewed love to where they would look at the Lord and call him my husband, my Ishai. You see, if we're not careful, we forget our first love. Amen. And we serve Him only out of obligation right. instead of affection. This door of hope in the Hebrew, it means an opening Accord, opening of accord, expectation. It's kind of like Rahab with a scarlet thread laid down the window. She had hope. That's all she had was hope. She knew the city was going to be taken. She knew that they were coming and they were going to take Jericho. But she was basing her hope on one scarlet thread and the word of two Israelites. Amen. What are you basing your hope on? Come on. Right. And when they went over, even though Achan took what did not belong to him, but was really truly God's, they rescued Rahab and all her household. They were saved because of hope. Hope. Some of you right now, some of you young people, some of you adults, you have found yourself in life so miserable because it seems like it's the same routine. You get up, you go to work. You come home, you go to bed. You get up, you go to work. It's the same thing over and over and over and over again. The same problem, the same situations, the same heartache, the same battles, the same thoughts, the same everything. And God is saying from that place that you're trying to get out of, that you're trying to climb out of that same valley of trouble, I'm going to give you a door. And in that same trouble, I'm going to give you hope. And in that same situation and heartache, I'm going to show you how you need the hope in me. Amen. You know I'm telling you the truth. Right. Because in our day of trouble, we sometimes struggle with hope. We get a mindset if we're not careful, it's not going to change. God's not going to move for me. You ever been there? You ever thought that? What's the use of trying? But God's saying, look for the door. In the valley of evil, in the valley of trouble, in the valley of misery, in the valley of pain and heartache, When sometimes you just get up and you're in this particular mindset. You don't know why. 
You, you're just grouchy. You're just short. You're not in a good mood. You snap. And you say, why am I doing this? It's because you haven't found the door. Come on. You got to keep your eye on the door. Right. Yeah. Amen. You see, we turn our eyes to the trouble where we ought to be saying, hey, trouble's all around me. Where's the door? I'm going to be reading lots of scripture because to me that's the door. If you really want a door of hope, you're going to find it in the word of God. Amen. In the midst of your pain, God says this, that the afflictions of the righteous are many, but he has delivered them out of them all. Right. Amen. I'm telling you right now, you don't have to get out of your trouble to have hope. That's right. Hope becomes alive in trouble. Because if there's no trouble, why would you have hope? Right. And if hope is not existing, then it is dead. And we are all men and women most miserable. So in your day of trouble, look for the hope and hold on to it. Because that's where you're going to find it. Isaiah 65 and 10 says, And Sharon shall be a fold of flocks. And the valley of Achor, the valley of trouble, a place for the herds to lie down in for my people that have sought me. That's where you're going to find God. Not on the mountaintop, but in the valley of trouble. That's where you will find Him. Romans 4, 17 and 18 says this, and it's written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed even God, who quickened the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope, believed in hope. You know, there are times in my life, my existence in this life upon this planet where it seems like there is no way things are going to change. I'm just being vulnerable. This is the way it's going to be. Against that, I've got to believe in hope. Right. Against what I see, against what I hear, against what I know, I've got to believe in hope. For yeah. hope calls those things that are not as though they are. Right. It brings into that which does not exist to an existence. Right, right, amen. I think you know what I'm talking about. I think some of you may be there now. Some of you Come on. may be there yesterday or you'll be there tomorrow. Will this will never be saved. Will things ever change here? Will they ever have peace? Against that, against that, you better believe in hope. Because Abraham did, and he became the father of many nations. A door of hope. A door of hope. But you see, our hope is a sure hope. It is a lively hope. It is a better hope and it is a blessed hope. You see, these are the things that you have to do in the valley of trouble. In Hebrews 3 and 6, you must do this. 
But Christ as a son over his own house. Whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence. And the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. No matter if I can see it. No matter if I can experience, I've got to be rejoicing that I have hope in the valley of misery Amen. and heartache Amen. and pain. Has your world ever been so dark that you didn't see any light at all? And you was wondering, where is the sun? Yes. Amen. It's through the door of hope. Amen. It's through the door of hope. Yes, Lord. Right. You can turn every light out in this place. And you will see the light coming. From the cracks of That's that right. door. Right. Thank you, Lord. Hope is through the door. And he said, what? I am the door. Amen. That's right. He is the light. The light will be at the door. The street will be at the door. Hope will be at the door. Rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Listen now, Hebrews 6.11. And we desire that every one of you do. And show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. You've got to have a full assurance of confidence in hope. Because Hebrews 6.19 tells us that this hope is an anchor of my soul. 1 Peter 1 and 21 Who by him do believe in God that God raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope your faith and hope so many Christians they think faith is all they need I'm telling you faith is not all you need you've got to have hope Right. they are married faith and hope go together you can't have one without the other Amen. if you have hope you have faith but you can have faith without hope. Because we believe certain things without really hoping for a change. When they get together, they produce. When the marriage comes together, they produce fruit. There is an expectation that each of you must hold on to. Whether you see it, or whether you taste it, or whether you feel it, or whether you can see it coming. You better hold on to a full assurance of hope. Because it's the anchor of your soul. That our faith and hope might be in God. Bring up the next scripture, please. Psalms 119, 114 says this. Thou art my hiding place. My shield. I hope Have you ever been in a place as my daughter gets ready to come? Have you ever, maybe, maybe I'm just speaking to me. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you just wanted to find a hole and climb in it and yes. hide? Yes. Hide in God. He's my hiding place and my shield. When I get to a place that I'm hurting and I'm so, so lonely and I'm so miserable, God, let me in. Hide me and shield me because I'm going to hope in thy word. 
That's why I have stressed for so long, for years. Get in the Word. Know the Word. Memorize the Word. Read the Word. Hear the Word. Know the Word. Pray the Word. Right. If you don't have the Word, you won't have hope. Right. Because hope is the Word of God. Right. Amen. Grandson Titus stays over. I teach him scriptures to memorize. He's got several down pat now. He says them so fast I can barely hear what he's saying. But he's got them. And I'll continue to give him the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one. Because that's going to be his hope. Yes. It's not going to be any easier for him when he becomes an adult than it is for you. It's going to be just as hard for him, maybe even harder, when he becomes, and he's going to have to have a door of hope. He's going to have to have something to hold on to. He's going to have to remember that my papa, he told me the word. And the word will be so in him, it will automatically come out. You understand? Listen to me. You can be so familiar in a room. You know where everything is at. You know where the furniture is at. And it can be a power outage and it can be dark as dark as ever been. But because you're familiar with where the door is, you can make your way over even though you may stump a toe. But you can make your way to the door. That is the way you need the Word of God and you to open the Word of God. You've got to be so familiar with that that no matter what's going on, no matter what you stumble over, you'll pop your way to the door. Right. Too many churches today don't stress the word. It's right. all about a good feeling. It's all about making somebody think that they're okay, but they may not be okay. Right. Listen, friend, you need the word of God more than you need anything in this world. You Amen. need it more than a relationship. You need it more than life. You need it more than food or drink. You need more than clothing. The word of God is my hope. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. Psalms 135. In that valley of trouble. What am I doing there? What am I doing there? Am I always just thinking about how miserable I am? Thinking about how much pain or situations that just seem to be against me. What am I doing in that valley? This is what you should be doing in that valley of trouble. When your own mind beats you down. When your own heart condemns you. Begins to tell you there's no hope for you. That you're no good. That you can't be what God expects you to be. That's your own heart condemning you. But God said, I'm greater than your heart. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock. Stand this morning, people are already coming.
because this is what the world needs. They need a door of hope in the battle of truth. They're too busy trying to get out of the valley and they don't see the door. That in that valley, God can turn it. He can turn it where you can lie down and call him again, my husband. I wait for the Lord in that valley. I wait for the Lord in that valley of trouble. You see, if everything's going well, I'm not waiting. But in that day of trouble, I'm waiting. God, deliver me. God, be real to me. God, be close to me. My soul doth wait in the valley of Abel. There in that valley, God will begin to speak pleasurably to me. And he will allure me close to him again. And even though I know him to be my Lord, my creator, my God, but there, there'll be a renewed relationship. One-on-one -on -one where I will say, Abba, Father, And in his word, do, I hope. I need some help praying for these that have come to the altar today. Please. My daughter's going to sing. You do what you feel led to do. A door of hope, a door of hope, a door of hope, a door of hope.